Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Welcome, listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I also welcome you on behalf of one of my best friends in the world, Elder David Wise, and we both endeavor to pastor Primitive Baptist Churches. And I pastor Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church at 40283 Wolf Road in Caledonia, Mississippi, and he pastors Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church at 11 Staten Road, in, near Ackerman, Mississippi, right there on Highway 15 in between Matheson and Ackerman. You can't miss it right on the highway, and they will just love to welcome you with open arms, as we would also at Sulphur Springs. We invite you to go to the website that services this broadcast, gospel-of-grace.com. You'll find archived messages, church locator, frequently asked questions, wonderful resources. We invite you to visit that. And also, while you're there, Send us an email. Uh, let us know that you're listening. Ask a question or give a criticism. Anyway, we would love to know that you're listening. We also invite you to download download for either an Apple or an Android device, free of charge, Grace Alone Radio. That's an app that uh, gives 24-7 internet radio, primitive Baptist broadcasting, uh, and we heartily endorse the value and the merit of that uh, radio app. So it's Grace Alone Radio. Uh, we also uh, meet every Wednesday evening in Starkville, Mississippi at 6 p.m. in the facility of New Covenant Church. That's located at 200 West Garrard Road. It's spelled Garrard, G-A-R-R-A-R-D, but it's pronounced Garrard. 200 West Garrard Road in Starkville, Mississippi, and we invite you to come and join us for worship 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening. Uh, today we uh, are continuing on with message regarding the indispensable grace of the Lord and Savior Christ in our lives, and right after this uh, wonderful hymn, we'll be back with today's message.
listening friends. We appreciate you staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast. And again, I'm Joe Nettles, and uh, we would like to continue on with the thoughts uh, considering indispensable grace. We tried to bring you a message last time I was with you on this broadcast regarding how badly we depend upon the grace of the Lord. That's the favor of the Lord freely bestowed upon unworthy creatures such as we are. We talked about how badly we need grace in our prayer life, uh, in being protected from natural perils. We talked about how badly we need grace regarding our provision and how absolutely dependent upon the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we are for any manner of worship of his great and worthy name. And today we would like to pick back up with this line of thought regarding our safety from evil men in this world. We talked about safety from natural perils, how that the Lord restrains, how that the Lord protects us and blesses us by his grace. But what about the safety from evil men? Now, when I say evil men, a lot of people get offended by that. They think there's no such thing as an evil man. In fact, in this secular world in which we live, where they have thrown away the counsel of the word of God, they think that everyone is born just uh, the same innate goodness. And it's just over time that through psychological damage or uh, negative experiences, or on the other hand, positive experiences and nurturing, that people manifest goodness and badness. Well, this is not so according to the word of God. We know that an overall good life comes from within. That's what Jesus Christ declared. He said, out of the heart come the good things. And also, he said, also, unfortunately, on the other hand, out of the heart of evil men come those evil things. Now, Let's talk about safety from those evil men. How are we not destroyed and consumed? How are we able to go to bed at night and wake up in the morning without having marauders and despots and thieves and rapists and murderers continually coming down upon us? Uh, we go to Psalm 76.10 and we read there a wonderful and encouraging sound doctrinal statement from the Psalms, as of course they all are, but this one is extremely pertinent to the subject at hand. Psalm 76 verse 10 reads this way, surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. And by praise thee means praising God. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Now, first off, it's obvious from this passage of scripture that we can tell that not every evil act. Now, that we have no problems at all owning that God is good and that any of the good and righteous things we say, take, see take place upon this uncursed earth, all the good and all the honor and the glory goes to him because he is the giver of that which is good. There is none good but our Father which is in heaven. And if we see goodness, true goodness, coming forward from men, if we see love, if we see faith, if we see temperance and meekness and all of those things, it is due to the spirit of God within them. If what we're truly seeing is true goodness. Well, some believe that every single wicked work in this world, that God has predetermined it before the world began, that it absolutely had to be that way. It could not have unfolded any other way. But behind every wicked thing that takes place in this world, God suffered it for a specific reason. That means that uh, there's some kind of uh, fabric being woven behind every negative thing whereby God has suffered it to unfold exactly the way that it unfolded so that he could either overcome it for good 
and for our glory. Now, I know the Lord is going to overcome everything for good at the end of time. That is uh, unquestionable from the word of God. All evil will be judged uh, and retribution will be given. All those who've been covered by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, uh, not one sin will be held against them. They have been judged in Jesus Christ and can enter into the land of glory uh, with great innocency and purity because all of our wickednesses have been placed upon Jesus Christ. Here he said, surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. Notice there are times we read in the word of God when the wrath of man praises God, that he allows the sinful urges and the murderous actions of men to unfold specifically because he has a specific plan on overcoming that. That means that he will allow it to unfold because he has a higher and a better purpose at the end. One example was Joseph. Uh, the Lord didn't make Joseph's brethren uh, despise him and hate him and be jealous of him. No, he didn't. That came strictly from the fallen carnal nature that was within them. God did not cause that in them. He did not work that in them. But yet God being omniscient knew exactly what their response was would be. He knew exactly what the fabric of those men were and the responses, the natural carnal responses that they would have according to their jealousy. And he allowed that to unfold. Why? Because Joseph would wind up uh, being second in command of Egypt, the most powerful country in the world, to the saving of uh, his people, the saving of Israel. You see, God, uh, the wrath of man, praised him in that respect, okay? But notice, he also says the remainder, the remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Now, certainly, friends, I shouldn't be led to believe from that passage of Scripture that every single wrathful purpose, every wrathful expression, every wrathful and hateful and malicious action and thought, uh, God is somehow using it to our good and to his glory. If that was so, there'd be no need to restrain it. But yet we know we have a God who is merciful and good and out of no obligation, other than him obligating himself to this good work, he chooses to restrain that wrath, okay? Now, somebody may say, well, that sounds like an overreaction. I mean, I, I'm around people every day, and uh, they seem like genuinely good people. And I, I know I see things on the news, but, uh, you know, I just don't really think man's condition is as bad as you paint it to be, preacher. Um, I had an uncle one time told me he didn't think he'd ever met anybody who was going to hell. Uh, he just was surrounded all the time with good church-going folks, family folks, and he thought the best of all of them. And to an extent, that's a good way to be. But at the same time, we cannot adopt that uh, mindset to the expense of the truth of Scripture because we know Scripture tells us that there are evil and wicked people in this world, okay? Now, when we read the descriptions in Scripture of the wicked, again, some people may tend to think it an exaggeration. Now, they'll read like Psalms 10, verses 4 through 11. Now, we read this. This is a a dire description. This is a stark description of the depth of depravity of the wicked. And by the wicked means those who are void of the spirit of God. They are not born again. In Psalm 10, beginning in verse 4, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never 
be in adversity. So what's the mindset of the wicked? I'm always right. There's no need for me to apologize. There's no need for me to back down. Carrying on, verse six, he hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He croucheth and humbleth himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. You see, people read that and they think, well, I don't know anybody that's exactly that dreadful. I don't know anybody that that's murderous. I mean, people I see around me today, they may be natural minded. They may be very selfish. They may even be a little crooked, but I don't see them lying in lurking place, lurking in lie in shadowy places, waiting to murder the innocent. And why do we think this may be an exaggeration? What may lead you to think that this description from Psalms 10 is an exaggeration? Because friends, we have been shaded from the true depth of the evils of unregenerated, that means unborn again men, by the Lord's restraining grace. Do you think that unregenerate men are as wicked as they can be? Well, no, they're not. And the only reason they're not, my friends, is because they are restrained. Yes, sometimes they're restrained by societal morals. Sometimes they're restrained by civil laws and magistrates. But friends, most of all, they are restrained by the Lord's grace. Doing this as a blessed favor or grace for his children in this world who otherwise would suffer dreadfully at the hands of these wicked people. Let's look at some examples how the Lord has restrained wickedness for the good of his people. And I thank God that he has. Uh, in the Old Testament, there was Abimelech who took into his household Sarah in days of old. And Abraham uh, induced Sarah to lie and to say that she was just his sister. Well, she was related closely to him, but ultimately she was his wife. But you know what? Sarah was not defiled by Abimelech because the Lord had restrained Abimelech. He had restrained him from sinning against him in defiling Sarah and uh, restrained the unfolding of the natural carnal urges that otherwise would have been manifest. Notice in the days of Job, Job uh, in the book of Job, there's described a hedge that had been built around Job. Job was a very wealthy man. Job was a very blessed man. Job was a very devout man. Though Job had some learning and some growing to do spiritually, which he did through the trials and the circumstances that were about to unfold in his life, but yet we see that Satan was not suffered to touch Job and his life, his family, his belongings, unless the Lord removed the hedge. Okay, uh, friends, I'm here to tell you that I thank God for any manner of hedge around me. Now, I'm not saying God has built a hedge around Joe Nettles to the extent that he had built it around Job in that early day. I don't know that for certain, but I do know, my friends, that he has restrained evil and wicked men uh, and women around me so that, uh, friends, I'm living even unto this day. Uh, I haven't been broken in on and destroyed. Now, somebody may say, well, what about those who have been, Brother Joe? What about those who have been destroyed? Uh, what about 
in in Hollywood so many years ago, uh, Charles Manson and his family, you know, they were they did murderous things. What about them? Well, friends, um, all I can say is God is not under obligation to ever restrain any wickedness. And uh, we don't need to focus on those times when he suffers evil things to unfold. Uh, maybe, my friends, there are times when we need to be reminded that God is God and that we are not. And that this evil, wicked world is because of the fall in Adam and our own wicked choices and actions and not because of God. God is all good. In him is no darkness. He is all light. So we don't need to question God, point a finger at him and say, why would you allow this? Friends, we need to just look at a proper biblical perspective and rejoice that things are as wonderful as they are, considering this sin-cursed universe in which we dwell. Now, years ago during the revival of Jehoshaphat, uh, the fear of the Lord fell on the kingdoms surrounding Judah. You see, uh, God was restraining them from falling upon uh, his covenant people. Another example, Jacob was commanded of the Lord to return to Bethel in Genesis chapter 35. And it said, terror fell on all the cities preventing them from pursuing Jacob. Jacob was given safe passage. Why? Because the Lord restrained the uh, wicked devices of the evil people around them. In Revelation chapter 20, we see that Satan has been bound with a chain, that he's not able to deceive the nations to the extent that he once was. Now, friends, uh, to a large extent, the wonderful positive leavening experience of Christianity has been such a blessing in this world. Because Satan has been bound with a chain and he is not able uh, to, uh, in an unrestrained manner, uh, consolidate great worldwide empires to the uh, murderous designs of the despotic rulers. You see, in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, we read about the restraining of Antichrist. He's restrained even unto this day. Paul wrote, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, and that word letteth means restrained, held back. He who now letteth, and that's God, will let, will restrain until he be taken out of the way. And that means, in other words, until God removes his restraint. Do you wonder why it seems to be that this world is getting more and more wicked and cruel <laughs> that we're seeing uh, things being adopted and accepted in society today that we never would have dreamed of being. Now, friends, I'm here to tell you, I think we're seeing already the removal to an extent of the restraining grace of the Lord. And it's going to get much, much worse before it gets better, my friends. Before the second coming of Christ, God's church is going to be under great persecution and have to face great trials uh, when he removes that restraint. And he is perfectly sovereign and holy and righteous in removing that restraint because it was totally of his own holy, righteous volition that he ever imposed that restraint. So again, let's not uh, look at this from the wrong perspective. Any good things we've gotten, we don't deserve. Any bad things that have ever come upon us, we deserve that much more. And so we can't point a finger accusing God. We must give him all the honor and the praise and the glory and thank him for restraining the things that he has done up to this point. Oh, thank God for safety from evil, wicked people. Well, let's look today at uh, another aspect in which we need grace so badly. We need it in uh, revelation, in the revelation of truth and in understanding. 
In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, we read, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus regarding Revelation, how badly they needed the grace of the Lord, and just being able to see and know spiritual things, to know the truth of God, to know the truth of Jesus Christ, to feel the power of his resurrection, to see their weakness and sin and their need for a savior. We begin in verse 15, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now notice, friends, he's writing this to a church, a church at this time that was very sound in doctrine, okay? Uh, He's writing this to a church of baptized believers. He is addressing them with the presupposition that they were saved, born-again people. But notice his continued prayer for them. His prayer to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Now, wait, Brother Joe, they already knew that Jesus was Savior. Yes, my friends, it's a wonderful thing when you come to realize that Jesus Christ is your Savior. But if you think that is the uh, full length of the spiritual wisdom and understanding, the depth of joy and peace and power in the Holy Ghost that you have obtained to, then my friends, you need to pray for a little more wisdom and a little more revelation because I'll tell you there is far greater depths of saving knowledge to be had in the Lord's kingdom and in his church than just that Jesus is Savior. Oh, that alone is glorious. That alone, my friends, is full of refulgence and glory and power knowing that we've been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ but I'm so very thankful for the depth of knowledge and understanding that he gives us that far supersedes anything that we in our own carnal natures would ever be able to understand. He went on to say that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Notice he's going to tell you why you believe, believer in Christ. Somebody may say, well, I heard the gospel one day and I decided to believe. Balderdash and poppycock. You required the grace of Jesus Christ to be able to believe. It had to be worked in you by the Holy Spirit, which had already quickened you and given you everlasting life. That's the only way that you could see yourself as a sinner. Otherwise, you'd never want a savior. How is it you can convince people that they need a savior if they haven't been revealed in them that they are full of sin, that they need to be saved from something. That's why regeneration or the new birth, eternal life being granted unto us, my friends, by the sovereign work of God must precede a conviction of sin and being able to call out upon Jesus as our savior. Okay. Here he says, we're going to read again, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Do you realize it took resurrection power, not only for Jesus to be raised from the dead, it took resurrection power, my friends, for you to be able to believe the same power that will call forth every elect child of grace, their bodies from the grave, and catch them and those that are alive and remain 
to be caught up into the air, to meet the Lord in the air and to be forever with him. The same power that would be manifested that day. And I'm telling you, that is dynamic. Amen. That's dynamite. That is a, a power beyond what we could ever begin to comprehend. It took that same power for you to be able to believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. He had to make you alive from the dead in your spirit and in your soul for you to be able to understand that. And that's what Paul is telling them here. Notice in Matthew chapter 11, oh, how badly we need the grace of the Lord. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because, notice this, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. So those who count themselves wise and prudent in worldly things, something's been hidden from them. Now somebody may say, well, I thought everybody needed to hear the gospel and believe it so that they could be saved. And if God wants every man saved and go to heaven, I don't understand why he would hide these things from these men. Well, friends, if you think the gospel is God's means of getting people into heaven, then you have reason to be totally confused. But see, friends, that's not so. And if you think that God wants every single human creature to be in heaven, again, the Bible won't hold that out. And we just must embrace what the Bible teaches to the expense of our own preconceived notions and even maybe a little embarrassment over the things that we've touted uh, in times past regarding God. We must believe and teach of the Lord what he teaches us to believe and to teach of him. <clears throat> so here Jesus Christ is thanking his father, O Lord of heaven and earth. Because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my father. What are the all things? That's the elect. All of his children are delivered unto me of my father. They've been given him by the father in the covenant of grace before the world began. And no man knoweth the son but the father. Neither knoweth any man the father save, that means except, the son and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Friends, I'm here to tell you, for you to be able to believe, you had to have the sunshine. And I'm not talking about S-U-N shine. I'm talking about S-O-N shine. And you can't take credit for that because you are in a state of cold, uh, hating, malicious uh, antipathy toward God. But it took the Spirit of God coming into your hearts, Jesus Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit revealing himself unto you for you to be able to have that love for God. Oh, my friends, thanks be unto God for his wonderful grace and that he has allowed his children the light of understanding to be able to see God, to see things about God, and most importantly, to see God manifest in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners. Oh, friends, we'll carry on with this a little more, hopefully in the next installment. And until that time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all in a special way. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, 
we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.